Hey guys, and welcome to the Abundance Alchemist podcast. I'm Caitlin Dorsey, an Abundance Alchemist, animal lover, trauma survivor to thriver, mindset expert, self-love junkie, and author. This is the place to be to grab those powerful tools, ideas, and inspiration to make lasting changes in yourself and your life. No more waiting, my friends, because it's time to show up unapologetically, radiate that confidence, and create a life you absolutely love. Time to buckle up and dive on in. Hello, my high-vibing friends. I'm so excited you're here, as always, on the Abundance Alchemist podcast. I'm super excited to introduce our guest today. Uh, We have Will Rodriguez today. Will is the executive producer of a mental health podcast called Calm, Cool, and Connected, and the host of The Skeptic Metaphysician, a show that explores metaphysics, spirituality, and mysticism through a scientific lens. Having undergone his own personal mental health challenges over the past few years, he researched different modalities in an effort to find healing through any means, be by the traditional or esoteric and through his own spiritual exploration. Spending most of his career in the television industry, his story involves spiritual growth, but not in a religious sense. It's more about learning how to be a better person after spending many years fooling himself into thinking he already was. Welcome to the show, Will. I am so stoked to be on it. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So I think I want to start. That's a pretty powerful statement that I read. Um, and I'd love to kind of get some clarification as to like what you mean by um, you said it's more about learning how to be a better person. And you spent years fooling yourself into thinking you already were. Yeah, it seems to be the the line that everybody tends to focus on. Right? Yeah. There's a lot of power behind it. Uh, in a nutshell, really, uh, I've spent... Uh, I'm a, I'm a little bit older, um, but I've spent my entire life completely convinced that I was living life the right way, right? Mm-hmm. That I was a great guy, that I had a great family, that I had a great job, that I was incredibly fair at work and in relationships, um, that a lot of the hardships that I underwent while I was growing up actually stemmed from outside sources Hmm. only to find uh so in the last year and a half two years like most people uh, we've found a need to look deeper inside of ourselves and and really truly find out who we are uh, for the good or the bad Uh, and in that self-exploratory period that i went through that i'm still going through and probably will be for the rest of my life honestly right uh, i learned some things some things came to light that showed me that in essence, every single problem that I've have encountered in my life has in some way, shape or form been caused by me. Hmm. Now, I don't know how much time we have. I don't know how long your show wants to, you want the show to be, but it's a long story that, <laughs> no that worries. starts very young at a very young age when I was you know, eight, nine years old. Um, there's mental reasons uh, why um, certain walls get placed in your psyche uh, that don't allow you to see beyond what you are presently seeing, right? To the forest for the trees kind of cliche. But that in essence is what what was happening. So when my eyes opened up and I literally, it was a, oh my God moment. Like it struck me to the core to realize I've been and I don't, I don't know if you want me to swear. On it, but I've been a real jerk. I mean, I've, been, I've been a real jerk. Like my entire life, I've been a real jerk. I've been very judgmental. I've been ego-driven. Uh, I have lived a life of self-entitlement um, in a very big way. 
And I had no idea I was doing that. I was, I honestly thought that I was living life as a really great guy. I was helping people out. I was loving my family. How could I possibly have been at fault with all these people are getting angry with me? Wow. They're just angry people. The people that are making me lose my mind, it's, it's because they're, they're really, they don't understand, right? They're making me angry and I don't understand why they all want to do that. Uh, so when you learn that you have some challenges like that, uh, it it humbles you. Yeah. Humbles you in a pretty major way. So you mentioned in my introduction that I produce a podcast called Calm, Cool, and Connect. And that came directly from my struggles with mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the past two years, looking at looking for a solution I couldn't find. So I created it when I got back on my feet. But that also launched this hardcore exploration into what else is out there because I felt so small, mm. right? I I was lost. I did not. How could I possibly not have known, right? So it's not just a mental health thing. It is a spiritual thing. It is an evolutionary thing. It is, at the end of the day, I don't want to be that dick that treated people the way that I did. I had anger management issues. Um, it, it was, it was just terrible. Uh, so that's why that line is there. You know, my, my whole, my whole life, I thought I was doing the right thing when in essence, Oh boy, no. And I, do I ever have a long way to go? Yeah. And I, I love that you talk about that. Cause it's, I think it's so much more common than we actually want to dive into, but we, I mean, even looking at it in terms of like coming from, you know, you touched on like this idea of the spiritual practices, like manifesting and different things. We're still a lot of the time, like wondering, like, why can't I manifest this? And it's because we're coming from that, like ego place of, I want this, and this is going to help me. And we're still not looking at, like, we're still looking at that external reality and not going in and saying, like you said, like, oh, all these other people are just pissing me off or they're out to, you know, get me. And it's like, but our internal very much creates our external. And so, you know, I think we're, a lot of us are willing to look at that when it's something that's positive and happy. We're like, oh, I was really happy. So other people are happy. But when it comes to people being frustrated, angry, or upset, we kind of retreat back into ourselves and they're like, oh, that's their problem. That's not mine. So Mm. I love that you kind of touched on that because I think it's a really, really powerful concept. Mm, oh, absolutely. And it, it's a hard lesson to learn, but when you learn it, boy, it, it's just so, it seems so obvious. Like mm-hmm. how, how in the world could I not have seen that all along? And you mentioned law of attraction and manifestation and all that kind of stuff. And that's a lot more complicated than people think, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's not just <laughs> uh, living from a non-eagle or, or asking for things from a non-ego placement, but it's also actually already knowing that those things you want to manifest are already within you. Right. Because uh, I'll tell you, the, the way that I found the universe works is if you say to the universe, I want a Ferrari, <laughs> the universe is going to say, all right, let's make sure he still, he always wants a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. And you'll always be wanting, right? <laughs> As opposed to saying, you know what? I, I'm going to have a Ferrari and it's coming soon. Don't know when, don't know how, but it's coming, mm-hmm. right? And, it, and, and I just interviewed someone on a skeptic metaphysician, which blew my mind because he had such a practical, amazing way of explaining it. 
but it really has a lot to do with emotions, right? Mm-hmm. It's not really that I want a Ferrari. It's I want the emotions that bring up, that come up when I have a Ferrari. Right. So in order to get that Ferrari, I have to drum up the emotions that I want to have when I have the Ferrari. At that point, I've got those emotions already. So really the Ferrari is kind of a moot point. Right. right? Uh, yeah, I am. Um, I actually just talked about that exact thing on a recent podcast interview. And, and I was talking with my, uh, I think one of my guests brought up the idea of vision boards. And I really struggle with vision boards. And I don't work with my clients with vision boards because of that exact fact. We're not trying to get that tangible house or Ferrari or whatever it is. We're trying to get the emotion. And then the Ferrari really doesn't matter. And we already can create that emotion within us, which you know, you, you touched on the mental health piece. And I know in your introduction, you talk a lot about kind of the science and the spiritual approach. And I love that because that's very much, um, you know, what, what I do and, um, kind of how my background is. And I think that we really like to think that they're very separate and we like to think that we can just think our way into something instead of, you know, really diving deeper into the emotion, into the spiritual practices of it and understanding really what that means instead of, looking at ourselves so separate. I mean, we do it in so many aspects of our life too. We look at like, this is work, Caitlin, this is podcast, Caitlin, this is, uh, you know, wife, Caitlin, like whatever it is. And we like to kind of attach to those labels, but also like separate ourselves. Um, and I think that that kind of goes, like I said, with, with the scientific and then the spiritual approach to things. Mm. Yeah. Th- there's no question. Uh, the one thing that I've learned through my many, many interviews so far it's it's really we are all saying the same things in different ways mm-hmm. there's just different paths so it's not important to for you to believe in my path or for it to resonate with you as long as you find a path that resonates with you mm-hmm. you're going to get there i'm going to get there in a different way but we're all going to get to the same place and it's okay because it is the exact same thing within in a different language and I, I I love that. That discovery for me was incredible. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. I love that too. And I think that I I noticed that when I started, like I said, my background is more traditional in mental health and addiction counseling. And I noticed that when I started seeing like some of the practices are really, really helpful. I just don't think they go deep enough, right? Because then it's like they're not taking into consideration like more of you know all the levels that we function on in our spiritual being an emotional, physical, like there's so many different ones. Um, but I, I love that you said that because it is really, there are so many different ways to go into spiritual growth and personal growth and all these different things, but we all do get to, we're all just trying to be like our best possible self and have the best possible life. No question. And when you notice it, lines are blurring, mm-hmm. right? But there was a, po- a point in time where mental health was very different, was a separate topic than spirituality or metaphysics. Mm-hmm. Now you're seeing more and more modalities insinuate themselves into mental health practices. Mm-hmm. Um, meditation, for example, yep. was very much a metaphysical practice, right? The, the, um, the Buddhists meditated, the, the, the Hindus, the, the, the Sikhs, the, all the people that it was a religious thing for them to, the yogis, they meditated to try to ascend, right? To get these special powers, levitation and healing and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Well, now you go to any uh, therapist and one of the first things they're going to say is, hey, have you tried mindfulness? Which mm-hmm. is 
Meditation. Meditation. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's so true. I am. Um, I'm currently in my master's for counseling and I just took a class based on mindfulness meditation to get certified in that. And, um, my class was based on all of the chakras and essential oils what? and all of that. I know. And <laughs> I was like, wow, this is super cool. Yeah, Finally, it's yeah. integrating because we have had mindfulness for a while. But, um, you know, and it's interesting because I watched a video for one of my classes too. And it actually had um, like a scientist from years and years and years ago um, was invited to uh, like a Buddhist monastery. And they said that they could hook up. Um, you know, all these different things to the, the people that were practicing meditation and see how the brainwaves interact and how the body interacted and all these different things. But, um, it ended up like they went there and, and they weren't okay with it, but they did it on one, one person. They didn't do it on all of them. So it was kind of a skewed study, but, um, they saw actually how they thought that the brain was not really doing anything. Like you're in a state of just like peace and quiet. And what actually the brain scan showed is that there was so much more going on in the brain and so many more connections with the neurons and all these different things happening that they hadn't seen before. And like parts of the brain that they weren't seeing used that frequently were actually being used more often in meditation, just somebody sitting there and actually like going in and dropping within. And it was just kind of powerful research to see. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. And, and, and med- people don't realize med- there's all different types of meditation, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's a meditation where your, your goal is literally to empty your mind. Right. right? There's some folks that, that feel that the brain is the only organ in our body that doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. Even when we're sleeping, it continues to process, continues to work. So if you take the, the metaphor of a car, mm-hmm. If you ride that car 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, there's going to come a point in time when that car is going to fall apart. There's going to be some issues with it. You're going to have to take it to the mechanic, right? Right. Same thing should stand to reason for the human brain. If it's constantly working, you got to give it a break. You got to take a step back and say, all right. Let me let me shut this off as much as I can, because obviously the brain is never ever going to be completely shut off, but at least the conscious part of it, let it relax and revitalize. Then there are other types of meditation that you are trying to tap into different areas of the brain for different purposes, different reasons. Um, but probably the, the most important one, if you take nothing else from our conversation, the most important type of meditation is that take a break, right? Um, in this day and age, uh, even before COVID, right, we were all in a state of hyper arousal. Everything was go, 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 come, 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 go, run over here, run over there. And and we always we thought it was like, hey, it, it it's going great. I'm doing so much. I'm getting so much accomplished. This is perfect. I'm hyper aroused. The problem is that we're not set up to be in a continuous state of hyper arousal. Mm-hmm. Just not right. Um, what is supposed to bring us time to uh, kind of digest and relax is the para was it parasympathetic nervous system. Yep. Right. But the problem is since we're in a constant state of arousal of hyper arousal, mm-hmm. that's actually damaging the parasympathetic nervous system so that when it comes time to relax, we can't do it. Right. We can't do it. So uh, it is critical. Um, it's critical. And, and people say, well, I can't shut my mind off. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfectly fine. Don't shut your mind off. Whatever happens, happens. But you, at least you are just letting your mind free itself. Some people find that reading a book is meditative for them. Taking a walk is meditative for them. You don't have to sit in lotus pose and go home all day long to try to meditate. There's all kinds of meditations. People people fish when they're mm-hmm. to, to meditate, right? There's all different. Just find that thing that helps you focus on one thing and nothing else. You can shut everything else off. That's going to do a world of good for you and for everyone around you. Yeah, it is. It is incredible. And I think too, with COVID, I think so many people started noticing that it was okay to slow down because it wasn't necessarily a choice. It was (laughs) required. Um, And then I think there's been a lot more like social anxiety because we're starting to ramp back up where we're going back into the office. We're having careers where, and we're trying to pick up where we left off. And it's just, there's so much like chaos and anxiety happening now because of that. Because again, like you said, you started dipping into like rebuilding and giving your body time to use and almost like relearn how to use that parasympathetic nervous system Mm -hmm. in that time that you had downtime. And now you're trying to go back into that hyper arousal state. And it's really, I think so many people are struggling and I, and meditation is obviously a beautiful way to do that. Um, but I think, you know, people don't give themselves the permission to take that break because yeah. we are in that state of hyper arousal. And to your point there, there is a new syndrome that that's been deemed out now uh, officially, I believe is called re-entry system. Mm. Uh, I'm sorry, re-entry syndrome okay. uh, b- because people now are having massive anxiety about having to go back into the workforce. Mm-hmm. And uh, we at the office at which where I work, we had a survey for the employees. Like, do you want to come back to work full time? Do you want to work a hybrid schedule or do you want to just stay working from home full time? 95% of the people said they wanted to continue working from home full time, which blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Our tools are in the office, but you right. want to. So, when we first came, it was such a hardship. Everyone's saying, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? How am I going to work from home? But now we're afraid to go back. Yeah. So, it's, it's, there's a lot to what you're saying, a lot. Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting time because we've got so much like added stress too of just like stress about even, you know, COVID and then also stress of interacting with people. I mean, I think I was talking to my husband not that long ago and I, I was telling him I had like some odd interactions with people just during the day and I was like, okay, and I was just kind of thinking about them. And of course, I'm like, how did I interact in this? How did I bring this up? But I what I kind of came down to is I think that people are doing one of two things. They've either either kind of forgot some like societal norms in a way, or they just decided that those weren't important because they really looked at like what was important. Like so many people shifted to spending so much more time with their family instead of, you know, pounding the work hours or, you know, getting out in nature because that's what they could do. And so it's really an interesting dynamic to adjust back into this. Um, but I love that you guys did that survey, by the way, too. I think that's really awesome. Um, I never actually transitioned full-time remote um, for my current day job. I, I work in like a residential detox facility. So we're a medical facility. So we are in person. Um, and my husband never transitioned either. So we didn't have kind of the same situation that a lot of people did. Um but hearing about it, like you said, it, it kind of became the new, the new normal. 
Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, um, things like perfectionism, Mm -hmm. uh, relaxed because you could not be perfect in a virtual setting. Uh, I, am a, I'm a producer by trade. So my drive has always been no mistakes, none whatsoever, no slip ups. Um, and in a virtual, when we had to transition from one day to the next, from an in-studio concept to a virtual concept, having no idea what was out there to be able to help us do that. Well, I can tell you more than a couple balls dropped. Yeah. It, it nature of the beast. However, a lot that we've found that the audience was undergoing the same things on their side of things. So they understood. Mm-hmm. And now that need that eternal drive to be absolutely perfect well, folks, we're virtual just like you, so it happens, right? It's the, the, the gremlins in the internet, that kind of thing. And so that, for, at least I can only speak for myself, but that has allowed me a peace of mind that I don't think I've had my entire career. Yeah, At yeah. the end of the day, now my motto is, hey, it's just TV. Mm-hmm. Right? You're in the medical field. Holy smokes. You make a mistake. That's a critical thing. I make right. a mistake. Oh, well, it's television. God, I mean, how hard can that be, right? Mm-hmm. Not a big deal. So first, thank you. Thank you for doing what you did throughout the course of the pandemic because holy smokes. Uh, and second, uh, un- unless you have someone else's life in your hands, relax. Relax. It's it's all going to work out exactly the way it's supposed to. So now we're back to the spiritual things again, right? Right. Um, we, we, it, it, there's a, there's a master plan. We've all made this plan even before we were born. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and everything that happens that the pandemic was part of it, sadly, as much as I hate to say it, the whole Afghan thing now, mm-hmm. uh, the Taliban thing, it, it's, 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 it's supposed to be happening the way it's happening for whatever reason, those souls that are living over there have something they have to contend with. I don't know what it is. I don't pretend to know what it is. I will never, ever know what it is. But for some reason, they entertain into a soul contract that, that, that said, here's what we're going to do. Right. And this is what's happening. So, Yeah. And I think that's a really, I love the idea of soul contracts of, you know, um, kind of signing up for what you're going to deal with while we're here in this human experience. But I think so many people struggle to adopt that. And I, and I understand that, right? Like there's not a, we, we talked briefly, there's not a scientific approach behind that. However, I mean, our whole conversation, we've seen how much like the idea of scientific concrete mental health is so intertwined with spirituality and we're holistic beings. And so I think it's, you know, I, I've, ha- I've rubbed a lot of people the wrong way saying things like that of like, this is how it's supposed to be. This is those people signed up for to deal with that, or they may have needed to process something in that situation. And I think it's always really hard when people go through a traumatic situation to believe that they played a part in that, or they were supposed to. Um, and, you know, in mental health, it's such a touchy subject. I just did a podcast, um, episode about like the idea of victim shaming and trauma and how really it's not, it depends on how it comes across, but also like it can be extremely empowering for people to step into taking responsibility and knowing that they signed up for this and everything's going to be all right. Like this is how it's supposed to go. Like you said. Yeah. And and it's a, it's, you're right. It's a, it is a, it is a very tough pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. I can only speak from my own perspective and I can right. tell you that 
about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, I had a complete and utter mental breakdown, which is what prompted me to do the looking of my, into myself and that kind of stuff. Thankfully, my therapist got me on board with mindfulness, meditation, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I had, I had been doing it for a long time before then, but not in that particular way. Sure. But one of the tenets of mindfulness is control what you can control and let go of what you can't. Mm-hmm. And when I learned that, I didn't have to take responsibility for everything that was happening in my life because I couldn't control it. Um, for a very specific example, the reason for my mental breakdown was uh, massive pressures at work, um, personal tragedies uh, to the point where I almost had to be hospitalized. I, I had a mental breakdown. I almost lost everything. And I mean everything. And that was because I was terrified of losing everything. everything. Yep. So when when the events happen, they hit me so hard that I didn't know how to handle it. My anxiety levels through the roof, my depression, my, it, it was it was just I broke down. Mm-hmm. Over the course of my recovery, I realized that I I can't control it. If I can't control it, all that my anxiety is doing is making things worse for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to relax, let it go. Whatever is meant to happen, no matter what I do, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right? No matter what, it's going to happen. I can't control any of it. So what I need to focus on is, I hate to say the word damage control, but for in, in a way, damage control, right? If it does happen, how do you move forward? So going through these processes over now for two years, I've learned that you come to a certain peace with, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want my father to have dementia. Mm -hmm. I don't, but there's nothing that I can do to stop it. Mm -hmm. And he does not want to go get medicated for it. So we just have to make sure we are ready to say goodbye. Right. And I have to be okay with that. I have to come to a certain peace with that. And with that knowledge and acceptance, life changed. Mm-hmm. Life completely changed. So when you say that people get upset about not taking responsibility for, for their own um, their own in, engagement of whatever's happening, it, it makes sense, right? Because not right. everybody not everybody believes in soul contracts or um, even life after death or past right. lives and things like that. Um, so you kind of have to just let them react the way they have to react mm-hmm. for them to, um, for them to process what they have to process. Yeah. But the folks like you and I who know really what's going on, we can then, we are in a position where we can actually help them in a way. Mm-hmm without rubbing it in their face saying, well, you know, you, you brought this on yourself. Right. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. (laughs) That's hard, but right. And I think I, I really like that, you know, you shared with that and you said, you said our engagement. And I think that's a really important piece to what you said is people don't like to look at, you know, how they're interacting or how they played a role, but as human beings, we always react. 
We always play a role. We always engage. Even if you're sitting back and doing the silent treatment, you are reacting and engaging. So we do play a part. Um, But yeah, oh my gosh, that control piece is huge, right? Like if we can step back and look at just what we can control, it's really a freeing concept. And I mean, a lot of the reason people go to therapy is because you're dealing with anxiety, because you're dealing with depression, because you're dealing with that ruminating thought pattern of those what ifs, Mm -hmm. what if this happens? But if you step back and you say, this is what I control right now. And I don't have, like you said, control over your dad's decision, right? It's a hard pill to swallow. It always will be. There's, you're going to feel emotion about it, but it's different when you feel the emotion with coming to a decision where you're okay with the fact that you can't control it versus sitting in that anxiety and fear and frustration and all those other things, because you're not actually feeling the emotion that's behind it. It was just sadness. It's sad and it sucks, right? You got to deal with it, but you're actually processing it. Yeah. And and you, and it's so vitally important to feel the emotions that are underlying. That's the, that's the key. Cause that's my whole life. I lived it on the surface at surface level. Mm -hmm. I didn't allow emotions to really penetrate inside me very much. I kept people at arm's length. Right. I didn't get too close to people because I didn't want to be hurt by them. Um, But um, I've since learned that whether you believe in life after death or life regression or uh, past life or, you know, time life after life or not, you have to think of it one way. We have a finite amount of time in this current incarnation. Mm-hmm. How do you want to spend it? Mm-hmm. Right? How do you want to spend it? If if you feel after when you die, that's it, black, you're done, no more. How do you want to spend your time? If you feel that there are other things beyond this life that you go that you turn to again. How do you want, do you want to have this lifetime that you're trying to learn from be a success or do you want to come back again and have to relearn the lessons again? Right. Um, The biggest help that I got from my therapist when I was asking those same questions, is like, you know, how can I, how can I not take it to heart? Mm -hmm. When you really answer the question truthfully, honestly, it's life-changing, right? Mm -hmm. The question is, so what? So I said, you know, what if, what if I, uh, what if I lose my job? So what if you lose your job? Mm -hmm. What's the worst thing that could happen? Well, I'm, I'm out of a job. I can't provide for my family. Okay. Will that really happen? You, will you let that your family go hungry? Well, no, of course not. Okay. You may not have the ideal job that that you had right then and there, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, can you control it? Can you stop that from happening? If you can, then take steps in that direction. If you can't, let it go. Yeah. See what happens, right? Yeah. Um, It's just, and, and, and people... People laugh at me all the time because in my, so my show is the skeptic metaphysician because I, I do live very firmly in the practical world, the three D mm-hmm. world. Uh, my my intro even talks about the fact that I need proof. I've, I'm in a constant search for three uh, D t- t- touchable proof that there is something else out there. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, there was a long time when I couldn't find it. Right. Uh, over the past, I don't know how many months, um, each interview has built on it, on it, the last. And now I'm at the point where um, I don't have very much doubt that there are things beyond this three-dimensional realm we all mm-hmm. live in. But my scientific mind still had a hard time wrapping, wrapping its head around it mm-hmm. until I had a conversation with someone who explained it all to me in quantum mechanics. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Caitlin, it completely changed my life. I, I, yeah. It suddenly, it, it has been scientifically proven that quantum that the only way that we can explain this universe is through the use of quantum theory right there there has to be other dimensions otherwise the math doesn't work Mm. we already know that plants that's been proven plants actually communicate with each other that's Mm -hmm. been proven without a shadow of a doubt yep if plants can talk to each other how can there not be something else outside of this three-dimensional world we're living in? Right? Mm-hmm. So, so I finally found I'm a quantum mechanic, right? The, the life after death thing, right? Everybody says, everyone leaves her when, when they, they see the tunnel, when they die mm-hmm. and they go through this tunnel to the light and they see their uh, past uh, relatives waiting for them at the pearly gates or whatever it is. And so my question was always, come on, I've heard that these are just chemicals firing in your brain as you're dying. It's the dying right. process of the brain. And I asked, those are the type of questions I asked my guests because I, how can you say yes, for sure. There's life after death without some sort of proof on it. Right. Right. How, what about the chemicals? It's been, it's been shown. Mm-hmm. Well, he blew my mind because there is such a thing as a God particle. Mm-hmm. Now this is controversial because okay. it's DMT. And DMT mm. is a is a is a an illegal substance that comes from the mixing of two different plants that trigger the same type of chemical responses that people have as they are having a near death experience. Hmm. But it only happens naturally at the time of birth and the time of death in a human body. It only occurs naturally in those, those, two, those two points. So couldn't it be, since we are in a three-dimensional world, that we need that chemical to transition us from the physical to the ethereal? Absolutely. Right? I, th- Caitlin, that changed my life. Yeah. It, it changed my life because that's what I was looking for. I need a plausible explanation. Mm-hmm. I have not found a plausible explanation. How can you? Well, it's not proven. But boy, there's a lot of things that point in that direction. Right. And at the end of the day, the likelihood of us learning truly what's happening out there is very slim. Right. But at least now I'm going, oh, all right. This sounds pretty cool. Right. We're looking and we're searching. I love that. It has always bugged me so much when talking about like going back to our very beginning part of this conversation about just being like, so within your third dimension and in your ego. And just like, it drives me nuts that people can sit and say that there's no possible way that there's other galaxies or there's other life beings or that other things besides humans can communicate with each other. Because I'm like, 
and it's going to sound so rude to say this, but like, how dense do you have to be to actually believe that that could be just be, and I, and I totally get it. Like I, um, am all about like the scientific proof. I totally am behind that as well, but I still believe that there's gotta be other things. I just don't know that we know, or that we have, you know, the science to prove that, but it just like, how could humans be the only thing? So I love that you shared that. Um, it's incredible because we don't, I mean, the thing is like, we don't even know like a ton of our brain matter, like what it even does. So how can we say that we have all the technology to know how to do all these different things and explore going down a rabbit hole. But I, I really, um, I love that you brought that up. That's really interesting. I have not heard about that. I'm, I'm interested to do a little bit more research and, and learn more about that. Definitely. I would, I would recommend you look it up because it, it, it surprised me. I'd never heard, I mean, I've heard of DMT. I've heard of ayahuasca. I've heard of right. all these different plant medicines that supposedly give you the, but I never heard about the God particle right. naturally occurring in our minds in, in our, in our brains only during those two periods of time, birth and death. Yeah. That's, that to me made me just open up my eyes incredibly. Right. And you think about, like so many of, I mean, to each his own, like everybody has their journey, but you think about some people that are these like worldly gurus, but may not be really doing it out of their heart or love or no, they'll talk about how they had like a near death experience. And that was how they received all these gifts. And like, it's, it's really interesting to think that could have just been what you were talking about of that God particle experience that they're attributing to the reason that they may be able to, you know, do all these different things, but it's incredible that it, that actually occurs naturally at birth and death. Yeah. There was, um, back in the, <clears throat> I'm going to date myself a little bit here, but back <laughs> in the seventies, uh, there was, uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of Dr. Wayne Dyer. Mm-mm, I have not. Uh, I cannot strongly urge you enough to go look into him. He is, was an amazing human being. He was an angel on this. He was a messenger. No question. Dr. Wayne Dyer uh, was one of the very first people that I heard. He was, he was on TV on, on PBS talking about souls and soul contracts and who we are and what our lives were, life was about and all kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And there's a book that I would recommend to you called the 10 laws to uh, spirit, the uh, 10 laws, success. And I need to find it and I'll, and I'll get, I'll get it okay. to you for sure. But, um, but in it, he talks, he, he said this quote when I was watching TV, when I was a kid watching him on PBS one day, uh, actually, I think it was WPIX up in New York. And, um, I, I was, my mind was being blown by why he was, what he was saying, but he said, he said a quote that I never really resonated with until I stumbled on it again in his book about a year or two ago. And that quote was, have a mind that is open to everything and attached to nothing. Mm. Wow. Is that powerful or what? Right? So I don't know what's out there, but I'm not, who am I to say to you that what you believe is wrong? Because we, we have no idea. Just look at, look at a flower blooming. We know how a flower blooms, but we don't know why 
or the actual mechanism that forces it to, to, to do that? Like, how does that function exactly? Mm-hmm. There's so many mysteries in this world that for us to think that we know everything is ludicrous. Yeah. So when someone says to me, yeah, I, um, I met an alien, he was from Pleiades, and he uh, says that we uh, are all come from that star system and we're all going to come back after we die there. Mm-hmm. So a few years ago, my first instinct would have been like, who's am I? There's a camera around here somewhere. Right. That, I'm being <laughs> yep. punk? Or this no, person's not. hallucinating. <laughs> yeah. Now my response is tell me more. Right. It doesn't mean that I believe it. It doesn't believe it resonates with me, but certainly this person believes it. I don't think he's purposely or she's purposely mm-hmm. saying something to me that they don't believe. So I'm fascinated to find out where it comes from. Why do you believe that? And there have been conversations I've had that I, I've left going, yep, still not there, but hey, good for them, right? right but then right. there have been other conversations I go, man, I had never thought of that. And that was a conversation I had with the person who talked to me about DMT. Because mm. when he was talking about plant medicine and going on these things and, and this thing with a, with a bullfrog that you can, you know, the, the, the secretion from a bullfrog and it, it, die, it kills you, but then it brings you back. And I was like, this guy is off his rocker. There's no way I'm going <laughs> to kill myself with a bull sap or something. Right. Bullfrog sap. But then I started researching into the God particle and suddenly, well, he doesn't seem quite so rocky anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, d- 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 maybe there's something here that I need to look into. So yeah, 100%. I would look into it and I would say anyone who's listening in, do yourself a favor. Don't close any doors because you never know what door is going to open up to make, to, to, to expand your horizon so far that it will change your life. Mm -hmm. That's so true. It makes me think of one of the biggest, most powerful things I've learned through my years here and, and that I've really adopted to be true is that every single person has something to give and something that you can learn. And I think it's, you know, we're so quick to write people off. Like we talked about again, like going to ego or different, different reasons, or we're just busy or whatever it is. Um, but I, and I've shared this before on the podcast, but I worked in involuntary psych in Newark, New Jersey. Um, and I had, some clients that were just absolutely incredible. And I, and people are like involuntary psych is, oh my gosh, like, how could you do that? And I'm like, there are three clients that changed my entire life. And they were the people that made me want to be in this field. They taught me more than I have ever encountered from someone else. And they're like, weren't they crazy? And I'm like, one of them had schizophrenia. Yeah, absolutely. But I took the time to sit down and have a conversation with them and asked, what are the voices saying? What do you see? And instead of looking at it from that clinical standpoint of like, oh my gosh, they're having hallucinations or whatever. I asked what they were actually seeing and hearing what they said and hearing their journey and not jumping to the conclusion of they're crazy or there's something wrong with them was incredible. And, and like I said, adopting that value of some, every single person has something that they will, they can teach you has changed my life. And it's kind of exactly like what you're, what you're touching on is like, don't close any of those doors because if I didn't do that and I just wrote those people off, my life would not be where it is today. Yep. No, no question. No doubt whatsoever. Um, as you were talking, um, something, uh, uh, kind of stumbled into my mind. Um, there was a story that I was told when I was in my young twenties 
uh, at the time I was in Miami and I was starting to look into this esoteric world, trying to mm-hmm. find my path in it. And I met this man, a uh, young, young man, probably early thirties at the very latest, uh, very oldest, but he was the single most grounded man I've ever met. And I wanted to be around him all the time. His energy was just so vibrant and he just, he was just so comfortable in his own skin. And I asked him, I said, how are you possibly, how are you so grounded all the time? I, you, I, you are never not completely in control and grounded. How? And he said, let me tell you the story. This is a story that I, that I, that told me everything I need to know. He said, one day God was standing on his mountain of truth and he's looking down on the world, liking what he sees. He leans down to take a closer look. But as he does that, he kind of loses his step a little bit and stumbles on the mountain of truth. By doing that, as he's regaining his steps, little pebbles of the mountain of truth fall down onto the earth. As he looked down over, he saw that all the peoples of the world were running, rushing to those pebbles grabbing them, raising them over their heads and proclaiming, I have the truth. When in essence, all they had was a little pebble of the Mm. truth. And when you know that all you have is a pebble, that you know less than one small percent of what the actual truth is out there, it humbles you. Mm -hmm. And it makes you realize what's not important in this world. What's not important is it's not important to be right. Mm-hmm. It's just not. If you're if it's right for you, that's all that matters. And there's going to be times in your life out there that people say you are crazy for believing what you're believing, and a lot of people will, will fight them and try to convince them. And you know, it's probably not the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. There's one thing I've learned recently is to you have to be okay with people not being okay with you. Mm-hmm. being angry with you, not understanding you, you are always going to be someone's villain. And it's not your job to change that perception of you in them. It's your job to live your truth. So uh, just try to live the best life you can. Be a good person. Live not from an ego-driven life, but rather from a life of wanting to do better by others. Because at the end of the day, we're all one. Mm-hmm. We're all one, and we're all trying to get to the same place. So I'm off my my pulpit now. No, I couldn't have said it better, and I think it's an awesome place to end the podcast. I think that just is such a beautiful proclamation, and I'm not going to say anything to ruin it. <laughs> uh, but thank you so much, Will, for coming on. It was such a blast to dive into this conversation with you. Um, and I think some really like powerful stuff came up, um, for everybody listening. So, um, I hope you guys got something out of it. And then as always, please remember to subscribe, rate and review, let us know um, what you think, or if there's certain people you want to have on or topics you'd like to hear about. Um, And then please reach out and let me know if you guys need anything. Thanks for listening. And you guys can find Will. Um, I'm going to put all of his information where you can find him, his website, social media, all of that, and his podcast um, in the episode notes. So make sure you check that out because I know I'm going to run over and listen to that uh, podcast episode about DMT. (laughs) Um, But thanks again for coming on, Will. It was a pleasure. I had a ton of fun. I could talk about this stuff for years and years. So uh, I'm glad you were, you had the strength to, to cut it off when you did. No, no worries. I agree. I could go on forever. So I've always got to be mindful of the time, but 
Perfect. Well, thanks, Will. (laughs) Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you for hanging out with me on the Abundance Alchemist podcast. Don't forget to head over and grab your free self-love activation meditation at theabundancealchemist.com and hit subscribe here so you don't miss a thing. Until next time, sending you so much love.